2: Hello and welcome to It Never Gets Old, a first hand account of all things secondhand. This is a podcast about the secondhand economy, consignment, vintage, resale, and sustainable fashion. I am your host, Meredith Feynman, coming in hot from Washington, D.C., and I am joined by my producer, Bestie in the Westie, (laughs) in Los Angeles, Sarah Lane. Hello, Mayor. This
0: is so fun. I can't believe we're doing this. I'm so
2: excited. We've been
0: talking about it for so long. We have, and what's great about it is that I am very new to this world that you are an expert in, so I'm going to be learning along with everybody else because I have historically been afraid of shopping, hate it don't know how to save money, and this is going to help me and everyone else who might be in the same boat.
2: Well, I'm so proud to educate you. I am a consignment fiend, obsessive, vintage know-it-all, and I am creating this podcast along with Sarah to help you the new listener to It Never Gets Old. Learn about how to make money on your wardrobe and how to buy secondhand. And it's going to be really fun, I promise. I'm going to throw a lot of information at you because I've been doing this for two decades and I am so far gone, but I'm really, really excited to be doing this. So the mission of this podcast, as I said, is to educate, but we're also going to get into really interesting topics beyond buying and selling, whether it's Chanel and Hermes and why they retain value to streetwear and hypey style and how to get that for less, but also really understanding what this multi-billion dollar industry is truly about and how the second-hand world is really only going to keep growing, whether it's because of our rental economy and sharing economy or because of our how much we care about the environment.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point that a lot of people don't think about. I think the word consignment is like old stuff, mothballs, weird vintage shop. If you're not really into that sort of thing, then you're going to turn away. But it is about a lot more than that. It is, like you said, recycling and being ecological. It's about making money. It's about getting things that you just can't afford otherwise but are actually within your grasp. Uh, from, from, From what I know just by being your friend, I'm already in awe of the fact that You know, you're not paying top dollar for anything and you're the best dressed person I know.
2: Oh, stop it. Don't stop. Stop it. (laughs) Um, No, I really, it's, consignment is an amazing thing. It means, you know, buying clothing that people, someone has worn before you as a storyteller and writer. And someone in communications, I love to think about the garments that tell the stories of our lives and how we wear them and where we wear them. But yes, it's not all, you know, musty closets uh, and dusty stuff. Consignment has really upped its game. We'll get into all the online platforms, how to shop IRL, how to sell, all those sorts of things. But You know, it's something that is way more accepted than it ever has been. And I think that that will only continue. And for a long time, for me, this was – I mean, for for two decades, this has been my favorite hobby. I've helped people dress better, save money, make money – um, and I, I just really want to bring it to a wider audience.
0: Well, before we get into how this hobby became something that you really are deciding to grow now with this podcast and, and and your profession in general, tell folks a little bit more about what you do outside of this.
2: I run a company called Fine Point, which is PR and leadership and professional development, which is to say that I help people in positions of power find their voices, share them, tell their stories I focus on women in positions of power. I do a lot on women and bragging and why that matters. And I write a lot of different things, sometimes about consignment. That's my favorite thing to write about. And then consignment started taking over my life. So it's time to make it a bigger part of what I do.
0: So how did this love for consignment begin? You're obviously, a communications expert, so this feels like a good fit. You're educating folks on everything that you know, but how do you know so much about it?
2: My consignment journey began when I was 11 years old. I'm now 31, Um, and it began because of my mother. Uh, I guess it's a generational thing. What's amazing is she also, she's a former writer, current lawyer, her first article ever for the Washington Post I have the the pay stub, was a roundup of all of the consignment stores in Washington, D.C. And I have subsequently written that article in a couple other forms. But it's really – it's it, I got it from her. So I remember my first secondhand experience. She, we would go to her tailor in this sort of open-air mall uh, in Washington, D.C. And there was a place across from the tailor shop called Secondhand Rose – and it was a consignment store. And I remember tagging along one time and we walked into the store and she was buying maybe ties for my dad. I forget exactly what she was looking for. But I remember just poking around and and thinking it was just some other kind of boutique. And this was, you know, the aughts, uh and I saw this lime green tank top poking out of a rack of otherwise sort of nondescript tops and suits. And I, I tugged on it. And it was CNC California, which if you are a millennial or millennial adjacent woman, you know, uh, or a person who likes comfortable stuff, CNC California was like the tits. It was the best. I, all the cool girls Uh, would layer two cnc tank tops like one on top of the other and then go home and sit on their blow up furniture and like think about what was on tgif that night um but it was just like such a zeitgeisty thing and i was like oh my god i want it and i saw that it was only nine dollars and i was like this is marked wrong this is this is like sorcery what is this and I asked Rose, the store owner, I said, you know, why is this only $9? And she said, well, it's it's consignment. And I said, what is consignment? And she said, well, someone else had it first. And I was like, great, excellent. Pop that tag off. Um, and ever since then, I realized I could get what I wanted for less. I could dress how I wanted for less. Um, and that hunt, that like original lime green tank top poking
0: out. So I guess i wasn't cool enough because i don't even know that brand or how layering those tanks um worked but i probably saw a lot of it and thought that the girls or the uh, the humans were dressed very nicely (laughs) but okay so this was this was your first introduction into oh wait a second this is cool stuff i want this stuff and if i try a little bit harder than going to nordstrom or my my nearest department store and paying top dollar then i get what i want for a lot less why don't more people know about this?
2: I'm not entirely sure. I have always been pretty savvy about pricing. When I was growing up, I mean, I've always had extremely expensive taste. It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, I really, and it's just gotten worse over time. So I had to I had to find a way to be able to wear the things that I wanted to wear and um, in a way that, you know, I could afford them. And... Uh, I went to school with people that might have had, you know, more disposable income than than my family had. And I, so I found this sort of whole world. But a lot of people, I think, don't know to look, which is why It Never Gets Old exists. You know, I want people to know that you don't have to have a ton of money to wear designer clothing or, you know, just whatever kind of clothing you want. You know, I'm, I've always been very into labels and designers, but there's a whole wide world of getting stuff for way less. And the retail industry is such that we have too much stuff. I, I write and speak on, you know, this this tagline, the future of fashion is nothing new, which I really believe is the future of fashion. We've already made enough stuff.
0: So you mentioned that you're you're from Washington, D.C., you live there now, that uh, you've had a lot of consignment experience in your neck of the woods. Is that a big hub for consignment wear? So it's not. I've always
2: like picked across D.C. People give D.C. really a, a bad rap when it comes to fashion, and I would like to also take a moment to acknowledge some of the fantastic fashion uh, that exists in Washington. People think it's all pantsuits, which it's not, and I've seen a lot of brands miss the mark on that. So it's not and I would, you know, paw through stuff, but I have and and spend the majority of my, you know, consignment money in places like New York or Los Angeles or Paris. It's it's how I learn a city. When I travel, it's also, you know, a great thing to do to figure out what a place is like, what people in it are interested in, you know, really unusual store owners that are now my friends in in different cities in Austin, as I said, in LA and in New York. You know, consignment is not just about buying and selling. It's also this culture, this really fun culture that sometimes I worry online secondhand behemoths might uh, put a dent in. But the people that run consignment stores are really interesting. The people that work there are really passionate. And so it's really a fun place to exist that is pretty unique in in an era of, Big box stores and less small business, and that's been a way for me to meet amazing people and you know tell stories through garments.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 thrilled uh, on a personal level. I live on the east side of Los Angeles. If you've ever been here, it's thriving. There's lots of lots of stuff going on. A lot of thrift stores, a lot of consignment stores, vintage stores. You see a lot of these 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 titles and I don't go into any of them because I don't know what I'm doing. So I am again very excited to learn more <laughs> about my own neighborhood and how I can 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 thrive in my consignment world around me. It's it's amazing, Mary. I mean, there are probably seven consignment stores within a mile of me and I have never gone into any of them because I'm waiting for you to come to town. However, that's the IRL version of this. There's also the huge online component of this that I know we'll get into in in, in, in future episodes. But one of the great things about this podcast and the mission of the podcast is to make that overwhelming feeling go away with knowledge of, of how things work and how they work differently. Totally. And,
2: you know, we'll get into this, this episode is, is consignment gross. And we're, we're going to figure that out, which I'll get into in a minute. And when you but say yes.
0: consignment gross, you mean is consignment yucky gross?
2: <laughs> well, so let's break it down. This stuff has been worn before. And people that don't want to get into this world, you know, usually have one of two hang-ups. A, they're overwhelmed, as you said. It can be really overwhelming. Um, you know, some of the thrift in particular or vintage, there's a huge volume of things. It's hard to tell it apart. It's not highly curated. Um, and, you know, it's it's that is more advanced level. We'll get to that level. So, so that's something that, that really freaks people out. And then the second is, well, you know, for me when I was 11 years old and ripping this tag off of a tank top – I did not care that someone had worn it before. I just wanted to look cool. Um, I wanted something that I felt was out of my reach and now was in my reach, you know, but some people get icked out by it. And that is something that I truly, you know, want to actually debunk with science. So, I've long, you know, thought that there are two kinds of people, those who love consignment and those who think that it's kind of gross. And I'm hoping to convert some of the latter uh, group into the former uh, because you can kind of get some amazing things if you get over some of your hesitations around something being worn by someone else first.
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably what trips me up the most Not that I think that it's gross that something's old, but, and as a child who wore lots of her older cousin's hand-me-downs, no problem because they were guest jeans and my parents could not afford things like that. If Mare gives me a t-shirt and she doesn't want it anymore and I know that she's worn it, not a problem. No, No problem. Even if it's dirty, I don't know, I'll throw it in the dryer. But if somebody that I don't know is getting rid of something you do tend to have some questions about you know you know what kind of person are they or I don't know this is kind of weird and and there's a difference between I think sharing among friends and sharing among strangers
2: and I think that that is uh largely in your head but we'll we'll see how much in your head it might be but yeah I mean I totally understand that however you have no idea the stuff that you're kind of missing out on. Like, let me give you a couple examples. I'm always, like, thinking about my best, you know, quote-unquote margins, a.k.a. the difference between, you know, what something is worth at full price versus what I paid for it. But, like, let me give you some examples. Golden goose sneakers, the ones that look like they've been run over by a truck, um, you know, those are, like – Ugh, they're expensive. They're like seven, you know, six ninety five ish, and I've never paid more than like one eighty five for them. That's that's not one of my better margins, but they're very trendy. So so I'll I'll speak to that because I know a lot of people want hey, them. Hey,
0: you're saving six hundred dollars. That's yeah. Maybe I mean, major. I major.
2: I've I don't think I've ever paid more than eighty bucks for a pair of jeans, even if they're mother or redone or anything, you know, schmance. Um I have gotten. Uh, acne wool coats for like a hundred dollars those are a thousand plus I got a handbag by the row which is uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson's minimalist very beautiful long time line of clothing and shoes and handbags and it's incredibly expensive I got a backpack by the row that retails for like three thousand dollars for something like three hundred and that's because I a knew where to look I want to help all of it never gets old, listeners understand where to look and how, but also that, you know, I kind of got over it. Now I'm way far gone, and the stuff that I've bought secondhand, I think a lot of people might be super icked out about, but stuff also that, that, you know, a handbag is not going on someone's body. Like, this is a way to, to like, there are ways to wade into this world. And you know, not necessarily go down the, the shame spiral that I am now now in, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah, but it trips people up. I I did an interview with Man Repeller, Leandra Medine's uh, media entity at this point, who started as a fashion blogger and now is a fashion designer. And and Man Repeller is uh, a media content site and world. And it was funny. The interviewer asked me. Are you ever worried that someone died in these clothes, which is like super dark, but also just never occurred to me? Well, and, 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 and-,
0: and even if they did, does it matter? I mean, if you bought a house that somebody died in, maybe somebody would say, no, I can't buy this house. And a lot of people would say, well, you know, it's, I don't know. I'll make it my own.
2: Well, it's interesting. It's also a cultural thing. Like, for example, I've never been to Japan. I'm dying to go to Tokyo. And they have insane consignment and designer resale. Uh, But it's all like underground under wraps because it's taboo. Um, In Japan... They believe very much in the life of objects, and so buying something that already belonged to someone else is taboo, but there's this whole underground market for it. So, like, I totally get it, but I'm here to debunk it. I'm here to also educate. Like, it's not just about buying and selling. As I said, I want to talk to leaders in the industry. I want to talk to people in sustainable fashion. I want to hear what you have to say. I mean, this is nothing without the listeners Otherwise, it's just me and Sarah talking, which we do every day anyway, <laughs> mostly about our dogs. But you know, I, I wanna see your best finds. I wanna see what you're putting together. I wanna know where you're shopping like this. this I want to create a community around my love of this, which which exists, but really my goals are to educate, to have fun, you know, to save you money, to help you make money, um, and, and tell some good stories.
0: It's interesting that somebody with your deep knowledge of this subject might say to themselves, This is my little secret. And everyone will think that I am the richest person on earth and I'm dressed to the nines every day and I just have a charmed life. Why did you decide to share this with the world rather than keeping it to yourself?
2: You know, a lot of people, I think, probably think that about me um and i have always been kind of very shrewd particularly when it comes to fashion and what i spend on it and my thing is looking like a million bucks not for a million bucks but for a long time people just really thought i had tons of money and that i just that's why i dressed like this um and you know that is something larger to unpack maybe with a with a you know a professional about, about my self-image and, you know, we're not going to go there today, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, saddle you guys with that. But, but it's fun and the more I let people know, just friends, family, networks, that like stuff I was getting was consignment, I, I was met with tons of curiosity and questions. I mean, now I get, Three messages a week, if not more, from friends, friends of friends, sometimes like a total stranger asking for advice on where to find a wedding shoe for less because they want a designer or, you know, they're looking for X, Y, or Z or they want to start selling stuff and they don't know how. And I realized that everybody was super curious about this world and I'd been doing it for so long. Sometimes We don't realize all the knowledge that we have because we're sitting around with it that is something that other people would find of value. And as soon as I started talking about it and posting about it, you know, people came in droves. And I can only imagine if that's just my immediate network that a lot of, you know, never gets old listeners would feel the same way.
0: And I suppose the more people who are involved in this, the better off we all are because there's more merchandise to be had
2: a hundred percent and you know like there's totally enough stuff to go around I'll you know I said it I'll say it again future of fashion is nothing new um there is plenty for everyone um and I want You to feel empowered. I want you to feel good in what you're wearing. You know, it doesn't hurt to make money in this way. You know, for me, it always, I always cringe when people say they've just sort of like tossed out bags of stuff. People don't realize that you can make money on, I mean, if you're willing to put in a little bit of effort, and I'm, you know, gonna school you on some of it, that you can really you know, make some money. I have I have consistently made money on on my on my wardrobe for a long time. You know, then I got into, you know, flipping stuff, aka buying it at low prices and not with the intention of wearing it, but to, you know, sell it online. And and that's super real, whether it's like a phone bill here or a cable bill there. Well we're all, you know, a lot of us are cord cutters, you know, an internet bill there. You know, people don't know that that like you can do this. And it's totally an option and it's a great one and it is the most sustainable one. It's recycling, it's reducing your, you know, carbon footprint, it's saving a lot of water, it's great for the planet. And I think a lot of people too, like whether you want to wear designer clothing, that's one thing, but also maybe you're considering how you can live your life in a more sustainable fashion. And I think this is something that People, you know, fashion, like, pun intended, but this is something people, you know, don't think about. We think about metal straws and, you know, glassware, and that stuff's important, but clothing is tremendously damaging to the environment, and and that's something that I really care about, too.
0: All right, so, Mayor, circling back to that question of whether or not consignment is gross... Is it yucky? Are there germs involved? How do we tackle this problem and find the answer? Yeah, so as
2: I said, you know, one of people's huge hangups with the secondhand clothing accessories world is it's kind of gross. And I'm very curious, since it has never felt gross to me, how gross potentially is it? So I've looked around the internet and nobody has ever tested How dirty um, secondhand garments actually are, especially in comparison to "quote unquote" new ones, whether you're buying them from a big box retailer or you know a website like a shop op. So I decided to enlist a friend of mine who's a science teacher and one of her students that actually tested how gross consignment is. Uh, I did not know the first thing about how to actually conduct this experiment. I needed science. So I phoned a friend, my friend Erica in Oakland, California, and she brought in AMZ and they are joining It Never Gets Old to talk to us a little bit about this experiment. Hey guys. Hey. Thank you so much for being here. So excited to have you. Uh, who
1: are you? <laughs> well, thanks for having us. Uh, my name is Erica Tang. I am a former science teacher, and Amzie was a uh, student of mine in my AP bio class. So Amzie, uh tell me and
2: tell It Never Gets Old listeners what interested you about this experiment.
1: I was really interested in this experiment because I was already planning on doing an experiment for class about bacteria. But when Ms. Tang brought this idea to me, I was really hyped. Um, I still wanted to, you know, do my research about bacteria and connect that also to consignment clothing, which I think is really interesting because, you know, I don't shop that much. But if I do, I'm open to used clothing and new clothing. And I was just interested to see, you know, how how dirty it is and dispel some of the rumors.
2: Yeah, well, the next generation uh, is obviously woker than ours and is here to shop new or used and save the planet, please save the planet for us. So Amzi, how did you go about beginning and conducting
1: this experiment? To start the experiment, I needed some clothing to actually experiment on. So I went to four different clothing stores. Two of them were new and two of them were consignment. And at each store, I bought four items of clothing, two of which were shirts and two of which were pants. And I wanted that variety to show that you know it's not that shirts are all dirty and pants are clean how do you get the ooey
2: gooey like i'm imagining like the cartoon amoebas like hanging out on (laughs)
1: some consignment pants like tell me like what you did how did you make this science so i had to swab uh the clothing and it's you know the swab kind of looks like a cotton swab you would use for your ears And I use that. I pretty much just rub it on the surface, on the material, and it picks up all that bacteria. It's not actually that fancy science, but it's still science. And I can transfer that then to somewhere where the bacteria can grow and I can measure numbers. (laughs) So, did you like swab the whole, all of the clothing, like certain parts of
2: it? Like, what exactly did you swab?
1: I actually only swabbed, uh, two areas on the shirts or an area on the shirt and an area on the pants, which were the armpits for the shirts, because I wanted to see, you know, what's the dirtiest the dirty can get. And on the pants, I swabbed the crotch area. So those were two places where the most, in my opinion, bacteria and grime could accumulate. So what did you find? I discovered I how I got my data is that I counted the number of bacterial colonies that grew from the clothing. And the colonies are just, you know, circles of bacteria, which is a representation of how much bacteria was on the original item of clothing. And I discovered that from the clothing I had, the average number of colonies from the consignment clothing was 5.9. And the average number of colonies for the new clothing was 4.6. So there's a difference there. You can see that, that's some actual scientific numbers. And those actually support my original hypothesis, which is that there is more bacteria on consignment clothing.
2: So Amzi, what were like the highest highs and the lowest lows when it came to your
1: results for bacteria? There were a lot of zeros on the low end between both the consignment and new clothing. And the high was actually 36 colonies, which was on one of the new clothing items, so that's a pretty big range, and there's a lot of zeros. There were some seemingly high numbers, and if you think about that in terms of the one point difference for the averages, you can see that the difference isn't actually that much. Did anything surprise you? Um, well, I actually thought the difference would be bigger, so that that did surprise me. Is while my hypothesis was supported. Um, you know, I thought they'd be even dirtier. So this is, you know, this is surprising in a good way. It also surprised me that I asked the store owners if they had a process for cleaning the clothing that got brought in. And at all the, well, I didn't ask the new clothing store owners, but all the used clothing store owners said that they actually don't have a process. So that surprised me. But it does show that, you know, you should wash your stuff when you go home, which could actually help get rid of some of the bacteria. So what would you expect this to look like had you washed the items and then done this experiment? Um, a lot of the bacteria is not in, its not ingrained in the material. It is something where if it was washed with just soap and water, regular washing machine <laughs> load, uh, it would actually get rid of a lot of the bacteria. And so I would predict that those numbers would be way lower and the consignment store clothing would look closer to the new clothing because the new clothing it's never been washed but it's has been created in a more sterile environment whereas the consignment once you wash it it gets closer to that state where it was originally you know made in interesting so what
2: like how worried should you be if you are shopping consignment or you are thinking about getting into this like what does this bacteria really like mean for your body mean for you to be around like how icky is it
1: that's something where i think there's maybe a bad reputation for bacteria is that it's all bad and it causes diseases, but there's actually a lot of really helpful and good bacteria and a lot of just neutral bacteria hanging out. So there's bacteria on the surfaces all around us every day, our phones, water fountains, and most of it is completely harmless. So the bacteria on your clothing is also probably like that bacteria and won't hurt you and won't get you sick. And there's more bacteria on the consignment clothing because it has been worn by another person who has bacteria specific to them on their skin and that gets transferred but just because it's from another person doesn't make it dangerous and if you wash it once again that will probably get rid of a lot of that bacteria so it's not dangerous it's most likely harmless and it just sounds kind of scary but overall it's safe good for the environment. So those are my conclusions is that maybe I got this number, but you can draw a lot more out of that. And it's still still a very good thing to do. But the new clothing you tested didn't have no bacteria, right? That is true. Uh, there were, you know, zero, one, two, three, four, there were colonies on the new clothing. And the reason for that is probably that people can try on that clothing in the stores, which is true for both consignment and new. And that would transfer bacteria as well, uh, along with, you know, having owned an item. So that's something where it's a reason why you want to try, why you want to wash all your clothing when you buy it new or used. It's also something to think about is that the clothing you've bought in the past, even if you think it's new, it has bacteria. People have tried it on. It's not, you know, fresh off the robotic printing press. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's also another important part of the experiment to think about. Bottom line here, get over it and wash your stuff. So listeners, if you want to learn more
2: about AMZ's experiment, you can see more details, more about her process on our website, which is ingopodcast.com. There will be write-ups. You can ask questions. I want your feedback. uh, But this shows you what this really looks like when it comes to bacteria consignment and how dirty it actually is. So Erica and Amzi, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. So there you have it. Sometimes it's a little gross, but for the most part, this bacteria is not going to harm you and you can just wash it out. Keep in mind that, that this experiment was done without washing the garments. You've plenty of options for that. And I would imagine, though that's, I guess, our next, you know, mad scientist experiment is once you do wash a consignment garment and wash a new garment, I would guess that They're pretty similar in terms of, you know, cleanliness. But again, you know, dry clean your stuff, throw it in the washing machine. A lot of this is actually just in our heads and might be something to get over. So what can you expect from this season of It Never Gets Old? First, we're going to talk to a lot of really interesting people in the industry, tell great stories, and learn how to buy and sell. That's first things first. But then we're gonna get into things like, should you ever buy secondhand beauty? Where do you draw the line? Or what does consignment really mean for our planet? Plus, straight size privilege and what that means for secondhand shopping. AKA, if you are not in the you know normal size range, what is accessible to you? How is that fair? And what do we think about it? find us online at ingopodcast.com we are also ingopodcast on twitter and on instagram i want to hear from you it never gets old it's nothing without listeners so on ingopodcast.com there you'll find more information on me your host meredith Feynman my producer, Sarah Lane, but there will also be space for you to submit questions, comments, and inquiries, as well as a call in line if you want to leave us a short and sweet voicemail. We'd love to hear from you.